We apologize that we have so much to do and only so little time to do it. So I'm just going to extend my time with you and speak for a couple hours. Is that okay? Huh? Just pretend like you're in Africa. Hey, I want some joy in your face now. Come on, this is serious, right? Hey, um, we're going to talk today about the key of David. And the key of David is really something that God does um, to unlock some truth and to show us a great spiritual truth. And, And the first thing I want you to really think about as you think about your life is this thought. I want you to think about the thought of servanthood. Servanthood is a first principle in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Give my life as a ransom for many. Whenever I think about servanthood, I think about so many people that have contributed to the building of this, uh, of this actual building. And what we have today, just uh, about two and a half years from the start of this church, we have you and we have the next service, we have this building, and we are right now even in phase two of our construction. We'll have it done before we hit our one-year anniversary if all goes well. Isn't that great? To God be the glory. And what we're doing is outside this, uh, this wall right here, we're uh, actually enclosing that whole loading dock area. It's going to give us a huge area uh, that we're going to have for uh, extending uh, the ministry that we have here for doing our school of ministry. Right now, our school of ministry is taking off like crazy. We have um, about over 100 people packed in a room that's probably designed for about 60 And uh, it is wall-to-wall. I mean, you can catch everything in there. Just go to class. You can catch the excitement of the Holy Spirit. You can get a flu, cold, whatever you want right there uh, because we are literally cheek-to-cheek. But um, God is blessing what we're doing, and we're excited. We're going to be launching our online uh, school of ministry uh, next year where we're going to be able to appeal to an international audience. People will be able to log in and uh, participate in either a... um, a 60-hour or a 90-hour program of developing ministry around the world. God has blessed us already with an international audience. We have uh, about 45,000 people in our, uh, on our Facebook page right now, and about half of them are an international crowd. And what that means is we can literally impact the world for Jesus Christ. But whenever I think about servanthood, I think about you, many of you who who spent time here and did something. And uh, inside your bulletin today, you noticed there was uh, an envelope you've seen before. It says chairs. And in order to expand this area out here, we're going to need to buy some more chairs uh, so that we have those for the school of ministry. We'd ask you to just pray about it. If God leads you to buy one or more chairs, then uh, do so. But we believe in revelation giving. We believe that God speaks to us and we give as God directs us to give. Uh, Not under compulsion, not under guilt, but because God just lays something on our heart. So we just want you to, to know about that. Servanthood. Servanthood is a key part in the kingdom. The other thing is that God aligns responsibility with your passion. Every one of you are passionate about something in your life. Really passionate. You said, if I could do that my whole life, I would just do that. Now, a lot of those things you can't make a living at. But a lot of those things you can do as a part of your, your, just your mix of who you are as a person. And you take that passion you have and say, I just want to do that. I want to serve people or I want to give to people or I want to help people or I want to, I want to build something. I want to design something. Then, then when you start to move in that, the reason it feels so good 
is because you're aligning passion with God's gifting in your life. And there will be an expression of that that will find its place in the marketplace, but will also find an expression within the kingdom of God. You see, you can be serving God in a great way, going to work every day. And you take that and you say, I just love what I'm doing here and how God is using me for this and, and, and some time that I have, I give to do this and I do that for the kingdom. But everything you do about your life, in everything, it should be a kingdom endeavor. Your purpose, your purpose in life is central to your happiness. If you don't find purpose, you don't find happiness. A lot of people in jobs are unhappy because they go, you know, well, I'm just doing the same thing over and over again, and I hate my job. 63% of people in America hate their job. That's not good news if, you're, if some of those people are working for you. You know what I mean? Sometimes we can recalibrate our lives so that we get that purpose back into our job. Sometimes we need a new job. Sometimes we just need a new attitude. You know what I'm talking about? Just a different perspective. How would you like to not get a paycheck every week? You know, you'd like your job. Have you ever noticed that? I love my job. They pay me. I show up and I don't do anything. It's great. You know what I'm talking about? So purpose is tied to happiness. Well, I want you to look uh, with me in the book of Isaiah chapter 22. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you on a journey here of understanding a little bit about this idea of the king, uh, the key of David. And it really focuses around a guy by the name of uh, Eliakim. Anybody ever heard of Eliakim? That's great. Two people in the, in, the, in the body have heard of Eliakim. Look what it says, verse 20. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. Now, you know what? That probably means very little to you. But know this. There was another man who didn't love his job. He didn't love what he was doing. He made it all about him instead of about the job and about servanthood and about loving God. And God said, you know what? I'm going to take you out of the picture, and I'm going to put my servant, Eliakim, in that role, and watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to clothe him with your robe. I'm going to take the authority and the responsibility. I'm going to take it off of him, and I'm going to give it to Eliakim. I'm going to clothe him with your robe. I'm going to strengthen him with your belt. And I will commit your responsibility, which meant his rule and his dominion, into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, to the house of Judah. The key, and this was unlimited authority. He was going to have the key to the treasuries of David. David was the wealthiest individual at that particular time in all of that nation. He said, I'm going to give him the key. He's going to be able to open that key, open that door with that key. And I will lay on his shoulder, and, I, and so he shall open, and no one shall shut, and he shall shut, and no one shall open. So everything was going to go into the hand of this servant. Can I just say, when you adapt a servant attitude in your life, opportunities will come your way. When you want to be served, just watch how opportunities close up. You see, God is looking at your heart. He's looking at my heart. And it's when we have a heart of a servant, it's, it's just attractive to everyone around us. And then that passage, interestingly enough, finds its way into the New Testament 
Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Look what it says. These things says he who is holy and who is true. He who has the key of David. Now it's talking about Jesus. Eliakim had the key of David. And now it says Jesus has the key of David. So we know this is not a literal key that we're speaking of in Revelation. No, this is something different. This is something that's speaking in the supernatural or the spiritual realm. He has the key of David. He opens and no one shuts. Do you know that when Jesus opens a door for you, nobody can shut it? When he shuts a door, you can't open it with your tears. You can't open it with, by begging. You can't get that door open for anything. But when he opens it, you know that it is from the Lord. Now watch this. Just because God opens a door doesn't mean you go through it. See, I believe sometimes people will find an open door and they'll say, no, I don't want to do that. I know God is leading me, but no, I don't want to go there. Oh, yes, that looks like a wonderful opportunity, but it might take too much time. It might take too much of my energy. It might take too much of my responsibility. No, I'm not going to go through the open door. And I think everyone here, either in, in, our, in our personal life, in our, in our business world, in our family, or in our spiritual world, we've probably all had those moments where we said, you know, there's an open door, and we didn't take it, and you look back and you say, I wish I would have taken that open door, and we didn't do it. And that door may still be open, but it may not. Sometimes those doors open and close according to God. It says, and, and it's Jesus who's going to open, and he said, and no one can shut. He said, I know your work. See, I have set before you. And that word uh, set before is a word literally that means a gift bestowed. When you see an open door of opportunity, it is a gift from God. God, that's a gift. What will I do with my gift? Will I open it? Will I treasure it? Will I forfeit it? And the gift is that open door. And that open door is no one, not man, nor angel, nor demon, can shut it, for you have little strength. You know, something happens when you come before God in humility with little strength. You know what God does? He says, let me make up the difference. Let me show you how strong I am. When we're strong and we're overly confident and we're just, we think we've got it all together, God says, all right, I'm just going to leave you on your own for a while and see how well you do because I know sooner or later you're going to come back and you're going to be knocking at my door saying, oh God, what do I do now? How do I get help in this situation? And God loves it when we want him. You know, I have, we just uh, spent a couple of days back in Denver and I got to meet my fourth grandchild. His name is Atlas. He will hold up the world, right? And, uh, and I was sitting there, and, then, and there's little Riley. She just turned three. And when she sees me, she, she says, Papa, 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 hold me, Papa. I never get tired of it. My favorite is always when they want me above everybody else. I totally disregard everybody's feelings at that moment, only I'm focused on me. You want me? Yes. Yes, that's good. I, it was like when Cruz said one time, his daddy, Josh, said, do you love me? Uh, do you love your daddy? He says, no, I love Papa. <laughs> this is the way it should be. Grandchildren are better people than your children. They're smarter. They're better looking. I don't know what it is. Ge brilliant skips a generation. If you have grandchildren, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen? All right. He says, now, when you come to God, God loves it when you say, Papa. 
He never grows tired of that. Have you ever had a, a child you really wanted to talk to, really wanted to see, maybe he was your own, maybe he was somebody else's, and you went up and you said, well, hi, how are you doing? And he took off. How did you feel? Felt like tripping him, didn't you? Just be honest, right? Little rat, where are you going? You know, look at me. Here, I'm here. I'm giving you some attention. He doesn't care. Now put it in the spiritual realm. God says, how are you doing? And you run off. You don't have time for him. He loves it when you lift your arms up and say, would you hold me? Would you love me? Would you care for me? I care for you. God loves to pick us up out of our problems. God loves to embrace us and say, I love you. Sometimes we don't feel worthy of God's love. And God says, no, I love you. It's not about your behavior. It's about me loving you, me caring for you. Here it says that when God holds us up, he says, I know you have a little strength. I know that about you. But look what he says also, but you have kept my word. You see, the word of God in our life is so powerful. That's why we encourage you to, to study the word of God and to memorize the word of God, to lay it up in your heart. Because what happens when you're weak, what will do? The spirit of God will just say, remember that scripture you read? And you may not have it memorized, but you know what the spirit of God will do? He'll make up the difference. He'll say, you remember that, and you'll kind of get the essence of it, and you'll say, and all of a sudden, it'll strengthen your spirit on the inside. He says, you have kept my word, and you've not denied my name. You've said, yes, I love Jesus. I honor God. I believe in God. I love the Lord. You know what I loved about this midterm election was the 18-year-old girl who got elected in the West Virginia at State Assembly, and she was a committed Christian. She didn't deny her faith. She was against abortion. She loved guns and wanted to give businesses a cut in taxes, and she beat out a 44-year-old attorney. And she was 18. And I looked at it, and I said, glory be to God. I am so excited. God is raising up people to make a difference. And you can make a difference, too. You can use whatever opportunity you have. You know that, think how many 18-year-olds would never think of running for state assembly. But she said, no, I believe I will. And look what God did. He honored her willingness to take a risk, to stand on principle, to stand on principle, God will always honor. You see, God honors servants. Eliakim means God will raise him up. That's what it means in the Hebrew. God will raise him up. You see, there was prophetic utterance by God, even in his name as a little boy. And people are running, he's running around, probably doing just what little boys do, getting into everything. I remember one time when my parents would take me to church and I had one of those bow ties with the elastic around it. And I would pull it out and see how far I could get it out without hurting myself. And I would keep doing that. And then when they weren't looking, I'd get down on the floor and I would always sit in the back. My dad loved the back. You know, because that way you can make a quick escape if things go south in the sermon. And I would get down on the floor, and I would make my way all the way up under the pews. Before they could get me, I was all the way up here, and I'd get up in the front, and I'd wave. And my parents were humiliated. It was awesome. That's what children do. But you see, imagine, they said, there goes a little Eliakim 
whom God will raise up. They, there was a prophetic utterance. God is going to raise him up. He's going to do something. He's going to be great. You take your children, you start speaking over them, speak life over them, speak goodness over them, say God's going to raise you up. God's going to do something in your life. Bar your mouth from, from criticism. Bar your mouth from discouraging children. No, you speak into them what God can do through them. Eliakim was humble and he was a servant. He was trustworthy. He did what he said he would do. And God says later in that prophecy in Isaiah, you're going to be like a peg fixed on the wall. You're going to be stable and people are going to hang there. You're going to, we're going to hang truth on that. We're going to, we're going to have uh, uh, the idea of character is going to be a part of your life. And guess where, whose name, where his name appears? It appears in Matthew chapter 1 as an ancestor of Jesus. His name is right there in Matthew chapter 1. See, God raised him up. God had a purpose for him. Eliakim never knew that, that uh, all these hundreds and hundreds of years later, his name would appear in Holy Scripture. That he would be an ancestor to the Messiah of the world. You don't know what God's going to do with you in the future. You don't know how God's going to take your life today and, and use it 5, 10, 15, or 20 years from today. But don't be surprised. Lay the right foundation now. Do the right things now, and God will build on that. If you build a small foundation, God can't build much. But if you build a big foundation and say, well, let me see what I can do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit myself to God. I'm going to walk humbly before the Lord. I'm going to be a servant unto the Lord. God can build a great structure, not only for you, but for your children's children as well. Honor God. Promotion is given by the Lord. You know, in Psalm 75, it says this, for promotion comes neither from the east, the west, the north, or the south, but from the Lord. He puts down one, and he exalts another. You see, God says, promotion doesn't become because, um, because you're the smartest. No, I'm going to promote you when I get ready. I'm going to do something for you that'll bless you. You ever had those moments where you say, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how this, this is such a wonderful thing. Um, I don't know why I'm so blessed at this point. And the answer is it may not be about you at all. It may be about someone who prayed for you. It may be just about the hand of God. And you say, well, I need one of those. I need that kind of an experience because I feel like I'm only going the other way. We'll start speaking life. God, I want to thank you what you're doing in my life. God, I want to thank what you're going to do tomorrow. God, I just want to be used of you. God, good morning, God. How can I be a part of your kingdom work? God, how can I bless people? How can I be in partnership with you, God? You see, if you listen to your own voice sometimes, you're your worst enemy. I was talking to someone the other day, and, and it was, everything was bad. And I said, can I repeat back what you just said? And they looked at me kind of strange, and I said, they said, well, yeah, why? Didn't you hear me? I said, I heard you, but you didn't hear you. Now, let me just say what you just said. And as I began to just say all the negativity, all the things that were wrong with life, with husband, with children, with whatever else, that person said, did I say all that? I said, yes, and a lot more. How can? You ever have a good attitude? How can God position you for the future if that's on your lips? How can God, if God opens a door, you're going to be so busy whining about life that you'll never see it. You'll never go through it. He says, I'm going to give you, like him, the robe. 
You know what the robe was? The robe was spoke of the character and the nature of God. You know the Bible says you're robed in righteousness? You're not always righteous. You don't always do right, would you admit? Right? Anybody here sinless? Well, that's good. We got some honest people. All right? But you see, when God gives you his righteousness, he says, no, I'm going to give you my righteousness. I'm going to look at you through the eyes of Jesus. And then that belt, that belt was worn as a symbol of strength. You know, even today, uh, when Tammy and I were dating, I was, uh, I was a cowboy. I know a lot of people don't believe it. I had a big hat and a big mustache, a pickup truck, and a gun rack. And I was a really good-looking cowboy. So I've gone downhill since then, trust me, right? I know you were thinking it, so I wanted to say it. But I had a belt buckle set all around cowboy. It was giant. It was, it was just huge. You couldn't miss it. It was a symbol of strength. It said something when you saw it. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> but in the Bible, you see that belt is a belt of truth. The idea is, have you ever felt good about something and you say, I felt like in my gut it was the right thing to do? You see, that's that emotion that God put in you, and it's called, it's down here around the abdomen, and it's, it's the idea of, I have a good feeling about this in my gut. You see, the belt of truth is you want to have truth. You always want to have, you always want to walk in truth, so you always have a good feeling right here. And then he says also, not only am I going to give him that, I'm going to give him your responsibility. I'm going to give him your rule and your authority. You see, God wants to give you greater responsibility. God wants to extend what you're doing beyond where you are right now. He's just waiting for you to walk humbly, to be a servant, and to say, God, I need you to lift your hands like that little three-year-old and says, will you pick me up? Will you show me the direction to go? Will you mentor me? Will you love me? You see, so many times parents spend their life running around trying to get their kids from one sporting event to another sporting event to one creative event to another creative event, and they never do what's important. They never do what's important. Mentor that child. Speak to that child. Love that child. Guide that child. Raise that child in the nurturing, the admonition of the Lord. When you do that, you will have a great payback come one day because they'll raise their children up as well in the same way you see God opens doors the treasury of God's kingdom think about this is open to you when God opens a door nobody can shut that door and so you want to enter into the door of God now let me let me tell you some things when you enter into the chamber of God the treasuries of God here's what you're going to find you're going to find things that you've lost you're going to walk into that door that God has, and sometimes you're going to see things you've lost. You've lost your credibility. You've lost your children. You've lost your character. You've lost precious days and hours and opportunities. And God says, walk into my treasury. I'm going to give those back to you. Go back in. Here's an open door nobody can shut. Would you walk back in and take back the things you've lost? And then you're going to go into that door and you're going to find some things that you need. You say, oh, I really need this. And, and as you pray before God, as you offer that before God, God's going to show you some things that you really do need. And God says, would you take them? Here's an opportunity. You, if you don't go through the door, you're not going to see what you need or what you've lost. And then there are things that you dream about. 
What are the things that you really dream about seeing and, and having and, and, and just experiencing in a lifetime? Do you know that God wants to give you some of those things? But you've got to walk through that door of opportunity. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you know what, you know what makes man different than the animal world? One major thing, obviously we're creating the image of God, but it is we hope for things. We think about things. And then we have this creative dimension that God put in us. And he says, okay, we can figure this out. God loves the hope for moments in your life. God has, I think, woven into us a certain divine dissatisfaction for the way things are. God says, well, how would you like it to be? What would you like me to do for you? Faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then God gives us purpose. There was a missionary by the name of uh, Adoniah Judson, and he went to Burma. I can only imagine what Burma was like 100 years ago and how difficult it must have been. But I want you to just listen to, and uh, we should have this on the screen so you can see it, but... This quote to me was so, so powerful. Look what it says. A life once spent is irrevocable. It will remain to be contemplated through eternity. The same may be said of each day. When it is once passed, it is gone forever. All the marks which we put upon it, it will exhibit forever. Each day will not only be a witness of our conduct, but will affect our everlasting destiny. How shall we then wish to see each day marked with usefulness? It is too late to mend the days that are past. The future is in our power. Let us then each morning resolve to send the day into eternity with such a robe as we shall wish to wear it forever. And at night... Let us reflect that one more day is irrevocably gone, indelibly marked. When I read that, I wanted to value my day. I wanted to think about my future. I wanted to send my days into eternity with a smile on their face. With something accomplished every day in my life for the good of people around me, for the good of the kingdom, and for the glory of God. Let me give you some life applications today. The first one comes in the form of a question. What is the most important thing that you could do with your life? I don't mean quitting a career. I mean, what is the most important thing you could do with your life? You might say, the most important thing I could do right now is to raise my family or to teach my household about the things of God. What is the most important thing you can do with your household, with yourself, with your life? It might be investing some time every day praying. You see, every prayer that you offer before God is building up for your future. It's laying a foundation for your future. Here's another idea. You could sign up for school of ministry. You could learn how to take the things of God and apply them to your life. This particular course is called uh, is on evangelism, and we're going to teach you how to share your faith. 
Wouldn't you like to be in a situation where someone said, well, tell me about your faith, and you could actually give them a great answer and feel good about it? You could feel like you knew how to explain what it means to walk with Jesus and to be faithful. And we'd like to have you sign up today in the lobby if God moves your heart. Here's a third life application. Operate within the bounds of your passion. And you will discover newfound freedom and power. What is it God has put in you? Do it. You say, I don't know how to express that. I don't know how to. Then start to pray. Put it before God. Write it down. See how God leads you. And I promise you this. As you follow that, that, that thread of passion that God has put within you, and you seek to honor God, you're going to find new life of, of a freedom and joy and liberty that you can live out your days. And people around you will notice. They'll go, what got into you? Well, you know what? I'm living according to purpose. I'm following the passions that God put in me. I'm honoring Jesus. I'm lifting my hands before him, and I'm saying, Daddy. I'm saying, Papa. I'm saying, Father, pick me up. I don't even know which direction to go. And, and he has done that. When you begin to speak those kinds of words in your household and to your friends and in your community where you live, people are going to notice there's something about you, and you're, most importantly, going to notice there's something about you. You're going to go, I feel good about life. I've got joy in my heart again. You may not have any more money in the bank to, tomorrow than you have today, but somehow life looks better and life looks different for you, and that's worth it all. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we stand, we, we just want to offer this day before you. God, we've seen and experienced a lot. We've worshiped you. We've taken communion. We've dedicated these children before the Lord. And God, all of these things, God, are so important and so valuable for the kingdom. And Lord Jesus, we just want to make every opportunity uh, valuable in our life. We want to take these days that we have. We want to give them to you with all of our heart. And God, I just pray that for every person here, that they will follow their passion, they will follow their joy, they will experience life and life abundantly. And God, as we worship during this last song, may it just be that we're not just singing the song, God, but we're contemplating what you've spoken to us. We've thought about the things that we've heard. We've made some decisions. We've made a decision to go through the open door and take back what we've lost. We've made a decision to go through that open door and find what we need, really need. Not just want, but really need. And we've made a decision to go through the open door and dream about our future. And offer that before the Lord Jesus Christ. God, as we stand, as we worship, as we praise you, seal these decisions in our heart. Magnify yourself uh, right now through us. Bless us and may your favor be upon us in Jesus' name. Let's sing together.